In fact, let me ask it a different way, not necessarily your favorite. What is your most vivid memory of Christmas? I, I can remember as a, a kid wanting to go see Christmas lights, and that was something that we often did. And there were not nearly the displays today uh, then that you have today. I mean, there, there were a few companies that, that did kind of a, a really big job of, of lighting up a, a great window display. I, I always remember going to Chain Electric Company, and, and, and we always wanted to go there as quick as we could because I knew they would set up this Christmas display. I still very vividly remember they had this little monkey that would jump up and down. He scared me to death. It was not a good memory at all. Never mind, let's move past that one. Okay, I don't want to linger there too long. But I remember that there were a couple of displays that were sort of out, away from town. There was a display out in Purvis somewhere. And I remember as a young boy, it seeming like it was years away from us, that it was a long trip, that we needed to pack a meal to go there. And there were times they would say, why don't we go and see these lights? And I would say, we've seen those before. I don't want to go way out there. I can remember vivid memories of toys in Christmas past and the anticipation of different things. And I, I remember getting catalogs and dog-earing pages and marking things that we wanted. I, I have vivid memories of Christmas past. I have vivid memories of losing a grandparent very close to Christmas and, and how that year was just different. I, I have vivid memories of different years where there was an empty chair at the table. I have vivid memories because those years were marked by loss or grief that Christmas just seemed to amplify that feeling. All of us can relate to those different things. And as you think back over a lifetime of memories of, of Christmas past, it's an amazing thing to think about the different perspectives that we have on Christmas. I mean, if you think about this from a worldwide uh, perspective, uh, Americans have quite a unique vantage point. The expectations are different in other places of the world. If you were a child that over the next week would get in some village or some small city a shoebox that was packed right here at Hardy Street Baptist Church, and that is everything. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world for Christmas. Then your view of Christmas would be quite, quite different, would it not? There are people this year, even here in our country, that, that are facing various issues. There are some that are sick this Christmas time. And it, it takes on different significance. Their values, their perspective, their outlook, their expectations are radically different. There are some that are poor. Some that, that see all of the advertising and all of the effort that is placed on, on marketing everything that you need. The latest and the greatest and the best. And they know good and well that they're just trying to make the ends wave at each other, much less meet, and they say, that's not the expectation of our Christmas. We just want to make it through. So there are those that are sick. There are those that are poor. There are those that are grieving. There are those that are lonely this Christmas time. And if you begin to think about any of those vantage points, and perhaps you're there and it's not hard to go too far to, to imagine because you identify being sick or lonely or grieving or poor or struggling in some way, your vantage point may be radically different. And even the perspective of youthfulness and older age. We, we grow past certain things in our life, and as we mature and grow, we begin to look at it from a different set of eyes. As we think about all those different outlooks and all those expectations and vantage points, I, I hope that we would come to this place of just 
really stopping, as we say often, and just embracing the very reason for the season. We would stop and we would see that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth. And because of that, we celebrate Christmas. And yet, the announcement in Luke 2 said this, The angels came and they said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So if the purpose of Jesus coming was the announcement of and the arrival of peace, then why are we so chaotic? You ever thought about that? It, it drives me crazy. It really does to think about the fact that we are celebrating the birth of our Savior and yet that can become the single most stress-filled time of the year. And that led me some months ago to begin thinking about what I would preach from now till Christmas. And I'm preaching a, an Advent devotional series, if you will, a message series that I've, in, I've simply entitled Peace. I mean, we think about the gift of peace. And I want to ask you, is that the experience of your days right now? Are you experiencing peace in the midst of, of life? There, there's all kinds of issues that bring this stress and this chaos. But I want you to see from God's Word over the next several weeks that God wants to bring light into the darkness and peace into the chaos and hope into hopeless hard times. That really is the direction and the order of these messages. And I, I really want you to lean in close with me as we consider Scripture together today. I, I've not put notes on the, the board. I really want you to focus in. In fact, I'll give you the outline. I, I want to give you three words, and, and you may want to write one at the top, one in the middle, and one toward the bottom of your notes. I, I want us to look at the reasons for holiday stress. I want us to look at the reaction to holiday stress. And I want us to look together at the remedy of holiday stress. Reasons, reaction, remedy. Once you've got that down, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to fill into your heart and your mind as we look together at, at the text and as we look together at this notion of having peace, that we would together find some great, great encouragement because there truly is Christmas chaos that we are, need to address. There, there are reasons for it. In fact, I could give you three more words that are alliterated, if you don't mind me doing this. I just got, began to think of it in this uh, light. It, it's really, the, the main reason is what I would call the too much syndrome. And let me give you three thoughts uh, uh, there. The schedules, the scales, and spending. We eat too much, and we go too much, and we, we spend too much. Stress can be incredibly crippling. And I'm not just talking about our schedules for the holidays. I know some of you say, I've got that pretty well under control. But really, this message and this thought of peace extends and supersedes this Christmas season. And it reaches into the heart of any chaos of your life, any crisis of life. In fact, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 29. Psalm 29. As we look at this 29th Psalm together, it's just one place where we see a marked indication of the peace of God. Now, we've already used as a backdrop Luke 2, and we're going to investigate that deeply over the next two weeks. But for today, I wanted us just to consider this matter of peace and look and see that it does supersede just the holiday season. Maybe you're struggling in crisis. Maybe you're struggling in chaos. Maybe you're in turmoil over a decision that you have to make or something that's weighing on you that is coming before you. Maybe it is grief or loss or health. But, but in all of those circumstances, we need to see that whatever the reason that we come to the place that God desires to give us peace. I think it's important for us to see this. 
you know that from Scripture there is no place commanded that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. You realize that? There's no place that we're instructed or encouraged to celebrate his birthday. In fact, over and over again, Jesus himself said, remember my death. He he said, remember my death, and he pointed toward the burial and the resurrection. So I would say it this way, you need to understand that as you celebrate Christmas, do not lose sight of the cross. And here's why. Because as Jesus told us to remember and proclaim his death, it is because of the cross. The cross is the instrument of God's peace available to us through Jesus Christ. And so Christmas really ultimately means nothing if there was only a baby in a cradle, if there was only a baby in a manger and not a a Savior that is risen, if there was not an empty tomb and a bloody cross, then we would have no reason to celebrate. But we don't need to get caught up in the trappings of this celebration and lose sight of the peace that is available through the cross. You see, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We now have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You will not find a more compact statement, a more succinct statement of hope than that. We now have peace. He didn't say that because Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He said that because of the work of Jesus Christ as a substitutionary sacrifice on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. And so don't celebrate Christmas without the backdrop of the cross this year. Don't celebrate the uniqueness of the advent, the arrival, the coming of Jesus without forethought to the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the promise of a returning king. As we think about Christmas and think about the reasons for the chaos, reasons for the the stress, I, I think that there's a lot of trappings that have come along and maybe today the Word of God will help us to sort through that. I don't have time nor really the inclination to go through a history of the celebration of Christmas. You know that it was not celebrated in the first few centuries. They, they later came to a place about the third century of acknowledging it. There was widespread debate on exactly when uh, the event happened. Obviously, we know that it was not December the 25th, or, or pretty assuredly we can know that. The shepherds would not have been out in the fields in the midst of snow. And, and yet, it was coupled with as an opportunity and a a chance to redeem some pagan holidays to say we will point toward Jesus' birth and not these other things. And there was a a winter celebration, a celebration of light, and it it evolved. In fact, there was a queen and king of England that posted a picture in the 1800s of their lives there in a palatial manner with a tree ornately decorated behind them and it reached American soil in magazines and then everybody wanted to cut down a tree and decorate a tree in their home. And then the the Industrial Revolution comes along and it adds to the the sense that we can mass produce products to sell and marketing and advertising came and all of a sudden now we've got what we've now got. We've got this conundrum that starts in June and carries forward Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Credit Card Statement Wednesday, and Regret Thursday are coming. And the trappings and the pressure and the stress are overwhelming. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning. 
But I find myself during the months of November and December speeding up at warp speed, running from place to place and from thought to thought with high expectations of things working out that ultimately and almost always lead to a place of disappointment and struggle, disillusionment. The recipe just didn't come out like it looked on line. The perfect gift just wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. Amazon didn't deliver it in time. I mean, I ordered it on the 23rd of December. Why was it not here by Christmas Day? The stresses and the strains of the season can create chaos in our life. And yet Jesus was announced as one who would bring peace. Everybody just say that word with me. Peace. Let's say it again. Peace. Now, you know full well that peace is not the absence of conflict or chaos. It's the presence of the Lord in the midst of those things, that He can bring to us a calm assurance regardless what comes. And so as we think about the reasons for the chaos, and, and perhaps it is, as I've said, the scales and the spending and the schedule. But as we think about all of that stress originating from those places, the reasons are ultimately, I believe, expectations. And, and the expectations that we place upon this season move us away from an expectation of what God desires. And that's why I want us to look together at this text. Let's look together at Psalm 29, beginning in verse 1. We'll read the entire psalm, but I really just want to focus in on the last two verses. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the, the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the mighty oaks and strips the forest bears. In His temple everyone shouts glory. The Lord rules over the flood rotters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives His people strength. Look at that last line. The Lord blesses them with peace. As you consider the reasons for your stress, it, maybe it is your schedule. Maybe you've got a Christmas party to attend every night for the next 25 days. Maybe you've got activities to be a, a part of and presents to buy and houses to clean. And, and the stress just continues to rise. You know, there was a recent uh, Gallup poll that said that 69% of Americans hate change. They dislike change. They, they are adverse to change. And yet, Christmas brings change to every part of our lives. We rearrange the furniture in our house. We rearrange decorations here at the church. We rearrange schedules, and everything is changing. So 70% of America is stressed out over the schedule changes alone. It's interesting to think about the compulsive behavior that will happen, the overeating and the drinking and, and, and otherwise 
you realize that, that in the coming days, that brother-in-law that you can't stand is going to come spend three days at your house. That's going to bless you. And then the compulsive eating and, and otherwise. I heard somebody ask that question. They said, what did you get for Christmas? And they said, I got fat. That's what I got. I got fat for Christmas. All of those things can add up to stress and chaos. And again, I don't want to minimize the crisis of your life. I want you to see that God speaks a word of peace to every situation, including in that announcement of Jesus, the crisis that comes into our lives because of our sin. You see, Jesus knew the, the ultimate mission of the cross was there. That there was not just a cradle or a cross, but a crown. And he, in victory, would come as king. And ruling as king would become the king of peace, the prince of peace for us. There are relational reasons that bring stress. You know, it's interesting. Stephanie and I have been together in ministry 25 years, and, and we've always been around church and connected to church. So there have been Christmas Eve services and, and scheduled parties and appointments. And some of the richest times that we have ever had have been around an early, early morning cup of coffee on Christmas morning with the glow of the Christmas lights, just praying together and thinking about the beautiful gift of peace that God brings. Out of all of the, the chaos and turmoil of our lives. But I want you to know this. That if those are the, the reasons for holiday stress, we need to understand that almost all of those, if not all of them, are self-inflicted. We bring them on ourselves. And we'll see from our text in a moment God's plan for this. But let's move forward to the reactions. How do you react to stress and chaos and turmoil? Well, there's a, a whole lot of different ways that we find ourselves, but fatigue is the word that I wrote down some weeks ago. I said, I, I want to fight against relational fatigue and spiritual fatigue and financial fatigue. I mean, think about it. If, if overspending really is one of the reasons, many, many people have not yet paid off the credit cards from last Christmas, and here we are at a season of loading them up again, and it'll bring great stress and turmoil and fatigue, weight. Loneliness is a reaction. It's interesting, all of the commercials on TV and even some of the messages that you might even get from Sunday school or from church point toward the fact that we need to be excited and we need to be happy and we need to be filled with joy. And yet some of you are experiencing loneliness and grief. Some of you are experiencing heartache and, and difficulty. Some of you are experiencing disillusionment because you thought your family would be moving in some different direction. Maybe you're facing fear or shame. But I want you to see some encouragement this morning. And this really turns the corner on where we want to go and takes us to the ultimate and, and final place, the remedy. As we consider the remedy, I want you to hear this. God provides a peaceful pathway through the holiday season. God has promised peace during all kinds of crisis and chaos, and He is not the cause of your stress. You need to hear this because it's easy for us in our American filtered mind for us to begin to look at all the, the expectations and the trappings of this celebration that God never told us to undertake. And it's been kidnapped by the enemy and drug away and we have been caught captive in it. God does not cause the stress. He's not caused the compulsive behavior, the overspending, the fear, the anxiety. In fact, the Bible is clear. He's given us a set of values by which we can be sustained through the holiday stress. So somebody needs to just jot down Proverbs 4, 7. The Bible says in all of our getting, 
Wisdom is the thing that we need to get understanding. The Bible says get understanding. And all of your getting, get understanding. And so maybe for you and for me, the notion of experiencing peace in the month of December and in the midst of chaos will be for us to gain a deeper level of understanding of who God is and what God desires. And Psalm 29 points me in a very vivid way to a God who is in control. And when I see that God in control, seated over the waters, reigning as king, ruling with a thunderous voice that splits open the trees, that twists the oaks, that leaves havoc in those places where he declares destruction and brings subtle calmness, serenity, and peace when he speaks a word of peace. I love this passage of Scripture because it points backwards. Many uh, commentators have looked at this and said, what waters is he talking about? Most have gone back to Genesis and said, this is a picture of Elohim, creator God, all-powerful God. He sat over all of the act of creation. He pushed the mountains up into their place so that the waters could fill the void and the chasm. And in power and in splendor and in majesty, there's no other response but just to sit back and cry glory. He says, all of those that are watching would say glory. All of the heavenly beings would ascribe to him majesty and praise. They would give to him his due. How many of you were here as Katrina was approaching the Gulf Coast? Many of you, if not most of you. We were 3,000 miles away inland in the inner mountain west, but we probably were more in tune with what was happening along the Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Gulf Coast, than anybody in the state of Idaho. We lived there, and we were constantly checking the weather and watching and talking to family and, and keeping up with it. But this passage from Psalm 29 began to resonate in my heart when I think about the fear that that invoked in hearts. And interestingly, since Katrina and Harvey and Irene and a few of the, the latter storms, people start to take the warning seriously, and they recognize we need to, we need to take action. Well, here the Bible points to a God who sits over all of those things, a God who is in control, a God who in the midst of chaos is not fretting. He's the ruler over them, and he provides peace within them. So I want to go back and say this. If I'm stressed out this holiday season, or if I'm not experiencing peace in crisis, it's because I'm allowing it to happen, and I'm bringing it on myself. He rules over the waters. He's riding on the wings of the storm. The Bible says here that he brings protection, strength, and peace. Look again with me, if you will, at verse 10 and 11. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. Protection. He reigns as king forever. He gives to his people strength and blesses them with peace. As we think about that, what is this value system he's given us? Namely, faith. So if you want to see the reaction that God desires for you to have, it's not disappointment, disillusionment. It's not fear or anxiety. It's faith. He wants you to trust him in the middle of chaos. He wants you to trust him in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of grieving, in the middle of loneliness. Trust the Lord. And all throughout the scriptures, if you and I were to take a journey and just consider the words of the word of God, Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, in the middle of difficult terrain and crooked paths, you trust the Lord. The Bible says in the New Testament that we're to cast all of our cares on him, our anxiety on him, 
because he cares for us. You see, God's design and desire is that your reaction to stress that is crippling, chaos that is confusing and damaging and, and weighing in on you is faith. You would trust him because he loves you. You would have confidence in him because he sits enthroned over the chaos of your life. I love those, those images. He rules and reigns over the flood water. He gives to his people strength. He blesses them with peace. Peace is such a sought-after commodity. We can't buy it. We can't earn it. There's no exterior stimuli that will bring it, but the Lord himself can bring it. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, let your requests be made known to God. Pray. Faith ought to be our response. We embrace those values of faith and prayer. We teach them to others and we grow by them. And here's what I want you to see. The expectations of others during the holiday season seem to add to us the temptation to leave these responses to chaos and turn away from the Lord. The pathway of peace is clear, and yet we get caught up in all the trappings of the spending and the scales and the schedules. And when we do, we lose sight of God's provision. What are the reasons? We're looking for peace in all the wrong places. What are the reactions? Well, they can be faith and prayer, or they can be a whole host of disappointment and discouragement. Who has access to this pathway? Look at verse 11 yet again. The Bible says that the Lord gives strength and blesses with peace a certain group. Who does it say that he gives those things to? This is audience participation time. His people. Say it with me. His people. One more time. His people. Who does he give strength to? Me and you. His people. Who does he give strength to? Those who are upright and walk in him. Those who follow his ways. Those who trust him by faith. Those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, we can celebrate Christmas and be lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Not know anything about Christ and have all the traffics. Oh, we want to give gifts and we want to have family warm fuzzies. And we want to gather together over meals and have fellowship and food and friendship and football. But all of that is folly, if you will, if we don't understand that real peace and real strength strength and real hope only come in Jesus Christ he's the way he's the truth he's the life and he is the prince of peace so no matter the reasons for your stress when you're looking for all of God's peace in any other place you will not find it your reaction ought to be faith what's the remedy let me give you two statements that I want you to write down number one purpose in your heart to worship not worry. Purpose in your heart to worship, not worry. After you write that down, go back to verse 1 of Psalm 29 for just a moment. But write it down. I want you to make sure you've got that because it's going to come in handy this week. There are going to be days where you are very prone to worry. You're going to worry that you can't get everything done. 
You're going to get worried that all of the relational strife in the family is going to come to a head when you're supposed to sit at the table together. You're going to worry that you can't afford all that you need to buy. You're going to worry that you can't make all of the parties and you're going to get stressed out. But the expectations there are external. So purpose in your heart today, I'm going to worship and not worry. Verse 1. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. If you're reading from some other translation, the word honor there may be the word give. Or it may be the word ascribe. I love that. Ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Three times. Give, give, give. Honor, honor, honor. What he's saying is in complete totality God is worthy of all the honor all the glory all the praise all of the worship all of the laud all of the majesty that you and I could give to him and we need to purpose in our hearts to worship him and when we do it keeps all of those expectations in check because we say God is worthy all of these other things will fade away but he sits on his throne reigning and ruling forever He alone is worthy. I love the fact that it uses words like splendor and majesty and glory to describe our great God. We cannot paint a picture that is glorious enough to even come close to beginning to expressing the worthiness of God. And yet here it says over and over again, give Him glory. Ascribe to Him praise. Give Him what is due. Purpose in your heart to worship, not worry. You know, if you go back and lay those metrics down, if you, if you look at those reasons for stress, if we stick with the reasons of the scales and the schedules and the spending, all of those things can be laid aside when we come to a place of worship. There, there's nothing, wor- nothing worth buying. There's no schedule worth trying to consume. You know, I think about that whole idea of schedules. I, I've been invited to 35 Christmas parties. There's no way to be at all of them. At, at some level, you have to... Just take control and say, I can't do everything. I can't be every place. And let those expectations begin to to back up. I I don't know about you. I remember when I was a kid, somebody would grab hold to me and put me in bed and say, go to sleep. And I hated it. There are days now at this stage of my life, I wish somebody would put me in bed and say, you need to go to sleep. I would gladly follow those instructions. Anybody here? We're worn out. But don't let the world's expectation of Christmas drive your understanding of worship. He alone is worthy. Purpose in your heart to break the cycle of busyness. Purpose in your heart to to worship and not worry. The second thing I want you to see is this. Purpose in your heart to practice self-control. This may be the most practical advice I could give to you as a pastor to people. Purpose in your heart to practice self-control. The Bible says that he'll give peace to his people. So I'm speaking to his people right now. If you don't belong to Jesus, you can just tune me out for a second because this doesn't apply. I want to invite you to know Jesus. But you need to understand if you're a believer that you need to practice self-control. And that means that you put away all of those man-made temptations that rise up with anxious expectation. And you trust God by faith and say, I'm going to walk in Him. 
how do you do that? Very simply, you overcome the too much syndrome. I'm not going to spend too much. I'm not going to eat too much. I'm not going to go too much. I'm going to say no to some things and back up, and I'm going to worship. And again, we've put in your hands devotional guides and opportunities for worship. I I realize that the Charles Billingsley concert is just another night out, but why don't you just push pause for a night and say, no shopping, no cooking. We're we're, we're just going to come, and I'm going to worship. I'm going to recalibrate my heart. Same thing for the 16th. Come that Sunday morning with great sense of expectation that God's going to speak to your heart. And come that night and carol with us. You see, the the beauty is as we experience inner peace, it spills over to others. We need to stop the cycle of insanity and craziness and busyness in the society. And the best way to do that is to practice self-control. And purpose in our hearts that we're going to worship and not worry. Your neighbors will notice that. Your family members that are lost will notice that. Let's simply walk with the Lord by faith and in prayer and trusting. Now how do you do this? Pastor, I know that there are times that you tell us we ought to do things. And you just told me I ought not overspend, overeat, or overgo. Well, I would say this. Just begin to practice the presence of God. You see, it's the presence of God in Psalm 29 that brings to them encouragement. All those things that it says ought to bring fear. I mean, his voice is like thunder. He's splitting trees wide open and causing the mountains to shake. I ought to draw back in fear, but it says, no, you need to give him glory because he'll give you peace. You see, in him you find peace and contentment. On the other side, you find judgment. So much self-imposed stress. My encouragement is for you over the next couple of weeks, slow down. Do you realize that Jesus took time off? Are you busier than he is? Psalm 85.8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. You need to create an offensive strategy for the holidays. Make a prayerful plan now and follow it. Filter things, take captive things, but worship and not worry and purpose to exercise self-control. You know, most of us are playing defense these days, and I said put together an offensive strategy. You're just running to keep up with everything that everybody says. And some of you today ought to walk out of here liberated to say, I I don't care what my office says. I don't care what Hallmark or the Hallmark Channel says. I don't care what Amazon says. I don't care what the culture expects. I'm not going to pull to that emotional draw. I'm simply going to worship Him and ascribe to Him glory, and I'm going to experience His peace this season. How's the best way to do that? The Bible says very clearly in Romans 12, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I close here. If you're experiencing chaos, again, I've talked about shopping and food and get-togethers and things that are associated with the holiday. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm dealing with deep crisis. The principle's the same. If you're facing a crisis these days, there's reasons for it and there's reactions to it, but there's only one remedy, and that's that you would, by faith, trust the Lord and experience the peace that He alone can give. And so for you and for me, let's move away from the trappings of the world and the world's vision of how we should respond to crisis and chaos. And when Christmas chaos ensues, 
you and I will walk in calm serenity and peace. We desperately need that. Anybody here need that? I know I do. Today, the Bible says if you're outside of Christ, if you've never surrendered your life to Him by faith, if you've never trusted Him and received the gift that came at Christmas with the ultimate intent of dying in your place on the cross, if you've never trusted Him today, the Bible says you're at at war with God. You're an enemy of God. You say, no, 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 no. Pastor, I'm good. Me and God got our understanding. We just don't mess with each other. No, the Bible says you're an enemy. That your sinfulness has declared war against His holiness. And you can raise your hands and surrender to Him today. And as you surrender to Him, He will flood your life with peace. He won't take away the storms. The Bible doesn't say that. Psalm 29 did not say, this king takes away the storms. No, it says He reigns over them. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of the Lord in every circumstance. Let's pray together. Father, may we be a people who experience your peace. God, if there's someone today that needs to trust you, I pray that they would do so this very day, that they would find the peace of God that passes all understanding, that they would meet today in a very personal way the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father, for peace and all that it offers in the midst of crippling stress and chaotic circumstance. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing. If you